to simplify big ideas for greater impact on everyday people like you and me. Well, welcome to episode number 14 of our podcast. My name is Skylar Elmer. I'm your host, and I hope that this conversation today will give you the encouragement you need to make a greater impact in your life. Today, you are in for a very refreshing conversation and a helpful evaluation of this season from a leadership perspective. My guest is Eddie Lowen. Now, for those of you who don't know Eddie, he is the pastor at Westside Christian Church in Springfield, Illinois, and this man is a wealth of wisdom on all things leadership. He is also extremely humble. Well, I had a chance to sit down with Eddie and ask him about this season that we have been in and to weigh into um, things from a leadership standpoint. Honestly, at this point in the summer and at this place that we are at as a society, this is a much needed conversation to evaluate things at a very personal level. Uh, I walked away from this conversation so encouraged, so refreshed, and so hopeful than before, and I trust that it will be the same for you. Now, here's my conversation with Eddie. Well, I am really excited to have on our podcast uh, Eddie Lowen. Eddie, welcome. Hey, thanks, Skylar. I appreciate it. Nice to be with you. Good yeah. to see you, man. Well, Eddie, I um I first got to know you because I was out in California, and Steve Ravisky, who is the pastor of our church, um, he passed my number to you, and you texted me while we were getting ready to kind of transition out here to Illinois, and uh, just. Um, invited the conversation, and uh, so, anyways, I, I really appreciate you um, reaching out, connecting, and just kind of the the friendship. And uh, so, anyways, um, I'm really excited, Eddie, to uh, to have you. So, um, I think the majority of um, our, I guess, Illinois audience, um, and even broader than that, will know who you are. But maybe for those who don't know who you are, um, can you do a little bit of an introduction to you know who you are, what do you do, and how you ended up at West Side up in Springfield, Illinois? Well, uh, I'm an East Coast kid, uh, which to a lot of people in the Northeast means Northeast, but I'm more Mid-Atlantic East Coast. I grew up in Virginia. I went to college in North Carolina. And about 28 years ago, um, I was invited to become a, a lead pastor at a church in Columbus, Ohio. So I spent eight years there. And I've been in Springfield, Illinois for 20 years. Uh, and I'm kind of a big city guy. So it's a, it, it, it's a, it was a little surprising uh, when an opportunity in Springfield got my attention. Uh, it's, it's a little surprising that I've been in Springfield for all these years. Uh, but Westside's been a great church. And I've loved uh, getting the lead with the elders and the staff here and have really just had fun being a part of what God has done here. Uh, I'm married to Sharon. We've been married for, uh, we're a few weeks shy of 32 years. And I have two kids. Uh, one lives in Arizona, is married, and uh, uh, he and his wife are expecting our first grandchild. So I am uh, venturing into the grandparent phase, which all of my uh, friends who are ahead of the curve uh, compared to me are telling me I'm going to really dig. Um, and then, and then I, and then I have a daughter who's married and living in Denver and she's actually, uh, a student at Denver seminary and also an employee there. Uh, so, uh, that's, that's the short story on who I am. Okay. Now, um, I, I, so you were in Columbus, Ohio for eight years and you were a lead right. pastor there. Is that right? I was. And then you, um, uh, 
man, um, how, how long have you been at Westside? I think you may have said that, but I may have missed it. Yeah, I came in 2000, so I've been here 20 years. I'm, okay. I'm, really, I'm really less than two months away from the 20-year mark uh, here at Westside. So, you know, I was holding my daughter in one arm when they introduced us to the church for the first time, and now she's married living out west. So we've been here for a lot of life. Um, and, uh, we're, you know, we, we love the church. One of the, one of the interesting things about our staff, there are a lot of people on our church staff who will tell you that living in Springfield and even remaining in the Midwest was not necessarily what they were looking to do. It's just been the church and the opportunity to be a part of it that has either brought us here or kept us here, uh, or both, um, so yeah, I uh, made made the move to the Midwest to Columbus, and then um, came here to Westside. And I, I can I could tell you a little bit about the story of how I got here, but um, I don't know if that's where you want to go. So you you can guide us. Um, okay, I just just you know really you know curious, just kind of off off the uh, off the cuff, um, Eddie, um, you've been there twenty years, twenty eight years in ministry. Um, how does this year rank? <laughs> compared to the other years that you have been in ministry? Well, as most people would tell you, it's been a year unlike any other. It's been the year that none of us saw coming and none of us ever imagined. Um, and that that has been really interesting. Uh, like we've launched a couple of guys from our church staff into lead pastor roles over the last couple of years. So I'm having conversations with those guys uh, as they've taken leadership of, of churches. Um, it's interesting to hear about life and ministry, you know, for them. I mean, both guys who are, I, th I think, both still in their first year oh. of lead, lead pastor role. Uh, so I probably don't have a very different response than a lot of people that you would ask about this. Uh, but but it's, it, it has definitely been the year that I never saw coming. And I think it has been, I would call it an accelerator. Mm. Um, I, I think the challenges that we've all faced leading churches this year um, have kind of revealed and accelerated whatever it was that was probably already going on in our hearts and our minds. I mean, I, I don't think we, we may feel stagnant uh, emotionally sometimes. We may look stagnant to other people sometimes, but I don't really think we are ever really stagnant. I think we're always kind of, even if we're just drifting with the current in some, in some way, um, I think, I think we're all usually in motion emotionally and spiritually. And I think this year has, uh, I think it's revealed, uh, and it's exposed, um, where we are, um, how determined we are to be in ministry and in church leadership, how hopeful we are. Mm. Um, you know, if you're functioning as a church leader and you don't have a lot of hope, then this is a season that, that would expose that real quickly. You know, I, I'm in my uh, mid to late fifties. Uh, I'm going to go with mid fifties, uh, but I'm, uh, I'll be 57 here in a few weeks and so I have some friends, you know, who are late 50s, early 60s, and even mid 60s. And it's really been interesting uh, to hear acquaintances and friends talk. I, I, think, I think some people are 
actually realizing they're more ready for the next chapter uh, of their lives uh, than, than, they, than they realized, uh, mm -hmm. because I think this has just accelerated whatever direction some people are moving. Uh, I told somebody just in the last couple of days that one of the things that this period of time has taught me is that I still want to be in this. Uh, I'm, I'm still glad to be in it. Um, so uh, I don't really have anything profound to uh, observe about this time, but it, it, it clearly has been the year that none of us saw coming. And yeah. uh, I, I think a, a lot of cool things can come out of that. Man, yeah, yeah. Um, that's so good, and that's so, so true. Um, you know, I mean, it's just like, we're, in a, as, as a church, we're going through the book of Daniel. And, I mean, it's like, good night. There's, um, there's, a, there's a level of faithfulness that's there for Daniel and his friends, but then it gets really heightened when they get in those very uh, tumultuous times, you know, whether that's thrown of the fire or in the den of lions, you know, and it just, it kind of really, um, this, uh, it, it reveals <laughs> what it, what's there, you know, so, um, so I guess, Eddie, um, being in a leadership role and what, I mean, you guys, you guys had a pretty good online presence. You've been doing um, church online for a while. Um, but what was it like to um, move everything online? Was that like easy, hard, challenging, uh, anxious? I don't, I haven't heard of anyone for whom it was easy. Certainly uh, having done online worship um, and not, not only streaming, but, you know, we've used the platform uh, through which we've hosted online worship. So we, we have multiple hosts. Um, now we made the decision when we went to online worship to do it one of our four. We have four on-campus uh, Sunday morning worship services. We don't do Saturday night worship. We don't do Thursday night. All, all four of our services are Sunday morning. But we have only had one of them uh, live streamed online with, oh. with hosting. Um, and so that, that was kind of our format before COVID and the shutdown came along. Uh, but it was, you know, it was certainly uh, crazy in, in the early weeks for us, like it was for everyone. Now, you know, we had massive online numbers in those early weeks. And I think that was, I think that was primarily due to lots of people were surfing um, worship services to see what other churches were doing. So, oh. if, you know, everybody was looking for ideas. What's it look like? How are they doing it? So I think there was a lot of worship service, uh, online worship surfing going on. And then I think the other thing that really caused those numbers to explode, I think there, there have been some new people, you know, who are looking for hope and joining us for online worship. But I also think um, churches that weren't yet uh, doing online worship at a very high level or maybe didn't have it at all. And, uh, you know, here in Illinois, we learned it was late in the week that we learned that we were not going to be able to have uh, worship services um, on Sunday. It was either Thursday or Friday, I think, that we found <laughs> out. And so... Um, we had a lot of people from churches that had no online presence joining us early on. And then 
a lot of them spent the next week or two uh, gearing up to do online stuff or to at least do a Facebook live service. Yeah. So for us, um, it, you know, there was a lot going on. Now we, we very, I think the first couple of weeks we did our service uh, in our big room and, and that probably would have worked for us to continue to do. Um, but we, we pretty quickly after two or three weeks, we really wanted to move uh, we wanted to change the vibe of the teaching from more of a big room, big communicator kind of vibe to a little more um, of a uh, conversational vibe. And so we started changing the environment uh, of the teaching, uh, but not of the music. Mm. Now we produced it very differently. The you know the camera production and all of that it had a very different feel and a very different look but it was still being done in the big room. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know if, if anybody else can, um, had, has had the similar experience, but I know for me personally, when it came, when it comes to preaching, uh, <laughs> um, I, you know, like just how you'd normally do it. Um, how I normally would do it doesn't come across as well digitally, you know? And so I don't know. I just, I felt like I had, um, I, I should adjust and be more conversational. And so now I feel, I feel there's a shift in my own preaching that took place over this season that now it's, I, maybe the people who listen to this go, nope, <laughs> you know, you, you still bother me, Skylar. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, so, okay. Um, you know, everything, you had to make a quick pivot on Thursday and switch everything. Um, that's, that's crazy um, to do um, so fast. Um, what, uh, I guess in those early weeks, um, what were some of the core things that, that you as a, as a leader, as a leadership, you wanted your staff and even your congregation to know throughout this crisis? Were there a couple, a couple things that you were trying to really like... Um, embed whether that sermon series you're kind of um, preaching to or just general messages you're getting across through community yeah well I mean one of the, one of the big things was um, framing the new reality for our leaders and for our people um, as everyone knows social media and media um, you know the constant 24/7 chatter, commentary about things, you know, very, very quickly in that shutdown era, um, people were being inundated with perspectives about the shutdown. And every, because everything is politicized right now, uh, there was a lot of uh, politicization uh, of that. And, and so, um, I sent out a couple of emails, you know, in that first week or so that were really just intended uh, to try to help people uh, to not give in to fear uh, and, and to say um, the reason that we are cooperating with the shutdown orders is not out of fear. Um, and. And so I, I think early on, it was really just giving people a perspective. You know, part of it is, look, there are things that we don't know. And so right now, out of concern for others and concern for our own health, um, and just because there's a bunch that we don't know, then we're going to do this and, 
and we're not worried, you know, we're not worried that this is somehow going to undermine all the momentum of our church. Uh, and I wasn't really speaking about the potential long-term impact of being online only, you know, for months and months and months at that point. I just meant, hey, we can do this. Mm. And so we tried to communicate. And one of the things that we heard back from people is that our communication helped people um, to not uh, be filled with despair and uh, to be hopeful uh, and to be patient and to just be willing to say, hey, look, there's, there's a lot that we don't know right now. Let's not pretend that we know. Um, because part of, part of that 24-7 commentary, social media, 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 and all that is that, and you can go back now, you know, if, if you really reviewed a lot of what was being said at that time, there's so much of what was being said that we, that we now would question uh, if it was said. But it was so early, and just, just saying, we're not sure, so we're just we're just gonna we're just gonna do this. We don't know how long it's gonna last. We're just gonna accept the uncertainty of this right now. And one of my big phrases for our church was, "We can be on mission when we're not on campus." Hmm. Um, and we we actually used that in some of our social media, uh, and just kept reminding people we're on mission even when we're not on campus. We we activated in several ways and began serving our com community. I mean, it it was. It felt like it was within days that we had uh, put together a food drive to make sure uh, that we were helping people who needed food. We've got a long-term relationship with some of our public schools here in town because we've done remodeling projects at public schools. Um, and uh, there are one or two of those schools that we have uh, an especially close ongoing relationship with. And so we were trying to get food to those families um, because for people that really don't have a lot of financial margin uh, for people that weren't sure if they were losing their jobs and for some people who immediately did actually you know they couldn't go to work and so boom you know within days they were their income yeah. uh, was gone the, the whole food insecurity thing was a real thing so we tried to activate and serve and then send uh, a positive upbeat message and just just uh, help people to somehow accept that we don't know all the answers right now and we're, and we're going to trust God and keep being the church in every way that we can. That's cool. Um, yeah, that was a uh, man. Um, who was I talking to? I've talked to a lot, a lot of people who, who had that like same, same message at pastors and stuff that, you know, like one of the lessons they, they felt like um, maybe God was um, teaching the church in this time is that you can still be the church without being in a building. You know what I mean? That the church transcends that and, you know, we can, you know, still be on mission. And so, so I guess, you know, thinking about food drives, is that, um, were those some of the kind of wins that you saw um, grow out of this season? Like, is there, did you see any, um, were there any other wins that, that, um, that you saw that kind of, um, yeah, grew out of this, grew out of the season for you guys? Well, I think the escalation and the acceleration of doing digital church is going to be good for all of us in the long run. Yeah. Now we all want to move past this era. We all want people to be able to come to church and for their first thought about coming to not be, I wonder if I'll be exposed to this virus if I'm in worship at Westside. So 
Um, and like so many things, Skylar, I think there's just a spectrum of perspective when it comes to this. You know, uh, on on one end of the spectrum, there may be people who who just who just feel like their faith has been interrupted, um, and that spiritually this is kind of devastating that they can't get to church. Yeah. Uh, and in some of those cases, I mean, it's like it's it's almost sweet in some ways. People so love their church that not getting there was disruptive to them spiritually and emotionally. But, but that is a spectrum. And on the other side of the spectrum, you know, we, we've heard from people who have not only celebrated the good things that God is bringing out of this and the good things that we're learning, but have almost in some cases exaggerated what a good thing it is that we are not meeting. Um, and that we're, you know, we're doing, we're all doing church at home in our pajamas with our families. And I think some of that was, you know, whenever, whenever you, like, there was, it was almost a romantic notion that, that we were all, you know, at home doing church and worshiping together at first. Um, but we told our people that, that that would, that would probably wear out in six weeks. And that's about how long, that's about how long it took before uh, people no longer saw that, uh, it, you know, it was different. It was not, no pun intended, but it was, it was novel. Uh, and, and I think, uh, I think it was right for us to enjoy it. I, th I think the novelty of it really was fun. But if, but if you're on the side of that spectrum that, uh, that might tend to exaggerate how good it is that we're not coming together on our campuses and meeting and worshiping and doing church as normal. Then I think some people actually saw that as a better thing than I did. I, I, I tried, I tried to stay, you know, clo closer to the middle in terms of my perspective during that time. I didn't think that our church was going to lose everyone if we didn't meet for a few weeks or a few months. Uh, but I also knew that if we had to do it for a couple of months or more, that it was going to get old. And, you know, Jesus talked about the seed of God's word, uh, you know, being picked up and carried away. Um, mm. And we knew, I mean, we, we always have people all over uh, at all places on that spiritual journey. And we are concerned about people who were just connecting with the church just becoming more curious about Christ, um, and and suddenly they don't have this place or our gatherings to come to, uh, and I think only time will tell, hmm. you know how the how those people are going to do. So there have been some really good things about it, and there are some I think potential spiritual losses that go with this time as hmm. well. Uh, so I think we have to learn everything we can learn and grow in every way that we can grow and, uh, you know, come to realizations about things that not being able to come to the campus or to the building, things we need to realize about what the church is and all of that. But I don't think we need to over-romanticize it and forget that there's there are some good things that happened because of the shutdown, there are also some good things that haven't been able to happen. Hmm. Yeah, man. So, um, okay, uh, 
I guess kind of switching gears uh, just a little bit, okay. I'm thinking about, um, I guess, things that, from more a leadership perspective. Um, Eddie, I know um, I know a lot of people who know you um, would um, say that you are somebody who you know who you you, you um, sharpen your teeth on leadership. You you love leadership. You you study leadership. You thrive in leadership. You are in a, a kind of high capacity leadership um, position uh, at Westside. Um, what I, I guess you know with this season and, and looking back in the review mirror. Were there some lessons or principles that kind of helped uh, guide you through this season? And then uh, were there new leadership things that you kind of um, uh, you picked up along the way in the season that you, um, prior to this, you wouldn't have, um, it, you may not have had or it may have taken a, a, a long time down the road or you know, whatever? Well, I'm not sure. I really am not sure that I can identify uh, a principle or a couple of principles that I think um, were the key ones during the season. I, you know, I think, uh, <laughs> I, I, I think the genius of the body of Christ became uh, more obvious. Um, it, it's been, you know, for larger churches that are able to have larger numbers of people on staff, you know, I honestly, it, it's been an advantage during this time. Um, for my brother-in-law, um, for you, for people uh, who have smaller church staffs, you know, um, maybe for younger people who are already tech oriented, you know, it, it, it hasn't been as challenging, but I think everyone would say they've had to learn new things uh, during this time. They've had to learn how to, do things better. But, but from a leadership principle uh, side, what I would say about this time is I feel like it kind of, it kind of tested um, all, all of the leadership principle and maybe not so much principles because I, I, I am a guy who believes pretty strongly in principles. I don't think there have been any leadership principles that have been disproven or have become obsolete during this time because I think leadership principles tend to be transferable from one generation to another, from one setting to another. It's only the application of the principles um, or maybe it's the, uh, you know, the need uh, for one principle over another. I, you know, I, th I think leadership is, you know, it's a lot like, you know, I don't know if you, depending on whether you like Italian food or desserts better, you could think of it as a lasagna or a layer cake, but I don't think it's really hard to know leadership principles. There's, there's so many podcasts, so many books, um, so many people who are gifted to lead, gifted to communicate that are sharing leadership principles, they're out there. They're all over the place. They're almost overwhelming. The toughest thing about leadership is knowing which principles to apply to what degree at what time. And so, you know, I think, I think it's the leadership wisdom mm. piece. And so I, what I, what I think this time has required of all of us, is that we grow in wisdom. And I actually think that begins just by calling out for it. Uh, I, don't, I don't even know that that can be a self-determined thing. Um, 
I don't consider myself, um, you know, a model, um, a model prayer, um, or uh, I probably won't write a book on prayer. That's probably not the thing uh, that I feel like I have uh, to offer other people, but probably one of the most, there's no question that one of the most consistent prayers that I prayed as, as a young adult was for wisdom. And I really think it's the difference maker in any set of challenges, not just COVID and shutdowns and online ministry, but in any set of challenges. And I think we gain it by talking to people. Uh, I do think we gain it through reading and listening to others. Um, and then I, th I think there is a mysterious spiritual component, uh, a God-given wisdom that we can ask for and receive. Uh, and James talks about that. You know, he, uh, he says, if you ask for it, God will give it. And so, you know, my prayer for myself and for our elders and for our staff has been that God uh, would give us wisdom uh, beyond ourselves. So in terms of leadership principles, my answer is I'm not sure that I can identify any that have really stood out. Um, but I do think that all of our leadership has been tested. And I think our level of leadership wisdom uh, has been exposed because it has been stressful. One of the things I told my staff after we were in this thing for a month or six weeks is I didn't like everything I saw from myself and in myself in those early weeks. I was more worried about things. I mean, we're in a huge construction project at our church where, you know, we were just over halfway through a capital yeah. campaign and we had reworked the budget a number of different times and, you know, gotten ourselves to a good place on two or three very uh, noteworthy occasions, you know, to bring all the finances in line and to put our plans together. Um, and then, and then this thing happened and week one, because it did happen late in the week, week one, I think our giving was about half what it normally is. Hmm. Wow. So nat naturally my imagination took that piece of information and kind of projected outward and said, Hey, if your income is going to be cut in half as a church, that's, that's one thing. If you're operating under normal circumstances, it's another when you're undertaking the largest construction project that your church ever has. So um, I got tested and I, I didn't like all of what I saw. I, I was a little more afraid and, and, um, a little more uh, worried and uh, preoccupied uh, than I could ever remember being. And so um, that's, that's less of a leadership principle and more of kind of a personal warning, you know, a personal learning. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Eddie, um, if I can just press rewind and go back to something that you said a little bit, because um, I mean, you said um, one of the things that this season has, you know, accelerated and it's also exposed a lot of the stuff in us that we that was already there. You know, um, you, you had mentioned that um, this season kind of brought out the genius of the church. 
And I know that for maybe a lot of um, a lot of people, they wouldn't necessarily have that perspective of seeing the genius. They would they would see it as loss of control of of their people, and that would kind of um, I guess um, bring out a lot of insecurities that a lot of people would have. Can you I mean can you talk about um, um, I guess like why why do you see um you know um like all of a sudden we have um, people on on church property in campus and we can talk to them speak to them kind of give some guidance and now it's all digital and so we kind of we don't have that um personal connection anymore and so a lot of people feel like um they've um they've scattered they've they're gone we can't give them the same kind of input and, um, and and you said that kind of unlocked, I guess, some some genius there with the church. Kind of, um, I don't know. Can you can you talk about that? Because I think a lot of a lot of people may um, feel like that that um, they've lost influence, lost control. Um, how I, I guess how is how is the genius of the church unlocked? Well, I think part of it is in the design, uh, and you. You said what a lot of people have acknowledged observing and learning during this time earlier uh, when you talked about, I think the phrase you use is that we can be the church, you know, when we're not on campus. So, you know, the, the genius of the church in part, what I was referencing is that it doesn't require a location to be activated. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm a guy who believes big time in the church gathering and the church worshiping and the church having a place. Um, I'm not, I'm not one of the, I'm not a church leader that's cynical about, you know, churches constructing buildings and, and things like that, because I've just seen over and over and over again, how a healthy, healthy church that has those kinds of tools, um, those things alone don't make for a healthy church, but if you're a healthy church and you have those kind of tools, then you can use them and you can multiply and magnify and extend ministry uh, in other places. And, you know, uh, my church relocated a few years before I moved here 20 years ago, and it's because they relocated that our church has been able uh, to gather as many people and disciple as many people and activate as many people. So I think, I think part of it is just the design of the church. But the other part I was referring to is uh, the way that the Holy Spirit equips the body to do what it does. And then, you know, suddenly uh, these people who are behind the scenes at our church, the tech staff and the tech volunteers, which in a smaller church, you know, it might be, uh, it, it might be one of or the only staff person uh, suddenly uh, trying to grow in their technical knowledge, but maybe some volunteer in the church steps up and helps some of the tech to happen. Um, the the interdependence part. So suddenly for us, you know, staff members who were pretty much never seen uh, by most of our church. Uh, have suddenly become like the absolute most pivotal key people in our church when it comes to doing ministry. Um, Because we can't call people to worship and we can't teach people uh, if they don't do what they do. And there's no teacher who's good enough to overcome 
poorly filmed or poorly produced um, uh, teaching video. No, no one's good enough to overcome that. And so just the capacities of these people, you know, to, uh, to do these things well and to make them engaging and to make them inviting for other people. Uh, so that's an, you know, that, that's, that's just one example of it. I think we saw it on a lot of levels. Uh, you know, also we've got people on our team who just excel at, at recruiting people, uh, to engage with people who are on the margins, um, and connecting with our community and finding out where the needs are and how we can meet them. Um, and I see that as genius because there, some of those gifts I don't have. The technical gifts, there's no way I could even, you know, pretend to have it. But when it comes to like connecting with other organizations in the city and making sure, you know, that we have the opportunity to love and help people, um, these people, are making these things happen much more quickly and much more effectively than I can. That's cool. Um, yeah. Well, thanks. Um, thanks for kind of um, uh, elaborating on that. I, I love that. You know, it's um, what Paul says in First Corinthians and, and Romans. You know, if one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. You know, there's there's a sense in which you know something that may have prior to this been seen like a minor um, importance became huge. You know, and it's just you know. Um, everybody, you know, works together for the unity, for the mission, for the mission of the church, and so uh, it's cool to see how how that all uh, works out. Um, well, Eddie, I guess one last question for you um, is: some people, you know, businesses kind of open back up, um, and they're unsure about what the the future holds, right, going down the road. Um, I, I guess on one hand. Um, is there hope? And um, I, I guess more importantly, like, what do you uh, tell yourself to give yourself hope in this kind of unknown season? Well, um, I think the quicker we're willing to accept and able to accept uh, that disruption uh, is our reality and un the uncertainty factor. I mean, I think where we are during good times is that things seem more certain than they are. Um, it's not that things are ever certain, but sometimes things seem more certain or more stable. And we might use the word stability, yeah. but often when we're talking about stability, we're really, we're really thinking certainty, even though we know there's no such thing when we get pressed on it. Um, and to, in my mind, Skylar, it makes us more like the church in the book of Acts um, because the church in the book of Acts is a church that doesn't enjoy a lot of stability. Uh, there isn't political stability. There isn't financial stability. Um, there really isn't vocational professional stability. Uh, lots of unknowns. Um, and, you know, Jesus talked very openly about what was coming and, and the fact that the, the future was going to be challenging. So I, I, think, I think we are being reminded that the church was actually created with the capacity to flourish when there is a lot of instability mm -hmm. and uncertainty around us. 
And because we have been doing ministry in such a stable environment, I think um, it's easier to lose. I mean, I cannot think of anything else in my lifetime that has impacted the church all over the world. Yeah. That, you know, the global church, we, we are all dealing with the same concerns. There have been parts of the world and parts of the church that are dealing with war and loss and, you know, absolutely terrible things while the rest of the world, you know, was eating dinner out and going to the beach and, and relaxing. And we know that there are people um, in our midst that are hurting all the time, but it, 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 it really is a unique time based, based on what I can see. So I, I guess um, I, have, I have tried to take comfort in the fact that even if things do become um, more unstable, even if there uh, is more uncertainty, uh, that reveals itself in in the future. The church was actually designed to be able to flourish in that kind of environment. It it did before. It has all over the world. You know, you and I both know the church has grown and is growing in parts of the world where most of us wouldn't want to live. And so, I I think it's just a matter of of us determining that we're going to try to get on the same page with God about how he's going to advance the kingdom regardless of what happens. That doesn't mean that I'm hoping for more tragedy or more loss or more difficulty or more instability. I'm not hoping for those things. I'm just saying if they come, um, it, it, it might undermine some of the ways that we do church and some of the assumptions that we make, but I don't think it can undermine the gospel uh, if we are holding on to and sharing the real thing. Hmm. That's good. It's a good reminder, and um, specifically that the church um, was birthed, it was designed, and it thrives in the midst of instability. Um, on one hand, uh, Eddie, I love that, and on the other hand, I, I dislike that so strongly. <laughs> you know, because I want consistency. I want I want it to be orderly, measurable. You know, I, I want to be able to predict the outcome, and I can't. And I guess that's just one of those things that you just have to trust God over what you see and just trust him that, you know, he really did mean that he will build his church and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I don't, I don't quote myself often and I don't really remember a lot of lines from uh, sermons, but, but one of the things that I said in a message a couple of years ago that has stuck with me is that God's favorite part of my story is the part where I trust him. Mm. And, and I, and I think, I think God doesn't like seeing us suffer. He doesn't like seeing us fearful, but I think he loves seeing us trust him. And I think as always, that is his purpose for allowing some of these challenges to come our way. Yeah. Eddie, um, it has been really good uh, to talk with you. Thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, I always love just the chance just to connect with you, talk, and you know have have you just dump wisdom on me. It's been refreshing to me. So thank you for an investment in 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 uh, me and in a small church that we're a part of, uh, and specifically your investment up there. Um, you've been a great blessing to many people and uh, have greatly benefited from that. So thank you so much, Eddie. 
Well, love you. Uh, love Steve and the church at Litchfield and God bless you guys as, as you keep uh, moving into the future, just the way we are here and other church leaders are in other places. And thanks for inviting me in to chat today, Skylar. Yeah, it's an honor. Well, God bless you guys too. Whenever I do a wedding or a funeral, somebody almost always comes up to me and makes a comment about how young I am, almost in disbelief that somebody could be a pastor at such a young age. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm 31 years old, uh, which means I'm just old enough for teenagers to look at me um, as an old man, and I'm just young enough for uh, those over 50 to <laughs> to um, see no reason for me to complain, right? Uh, no complaints about this, but it's just true. Uh, one of the things that I have appreciated so much is a friendship like the one I have with Eddie, um, who has an immense amount of wisdom when it comes to leading. And I walked away from that conversation thinking, in what ways has the pace and the craziness of this season accelerated and exposed things in my life? We can all become better people and better leaders by leaning into those two points, those two questions. Thank you so much for your time, Eddie. Really appreciate that. Next week, I'm torn between two topics. Uh, so it'll either be a follow-up reflection in conversation about apocalyptic literature after my conversation with Shane Wood. Um, th that was episode number 13, if, if you haven't listened to that yet. Or next week, we will be diving into um, a defining period between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I mean, was it the years of silence? I mean, what took place then? And, and how is knowing this period of time um, help us become better Bible readers today? Um, so I don't know which of those two topics to choose from. I'm really excited about both of them. Um, I, I just kind of, I know I should be a little bit more orderly at this point, but I'm not. So next week, um, you're in for a surprise. This is a cliffhanger. <laughs> so. So um, it could be either one of those, but you have to um, tune back in with us next week and figure out what they are. I promise it will be a worthwhile listening to. Well, I hope that this conversation today has helped you in your life so you can make a greater impact with your life. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next week as we talk about something you won't want to miss.